Oh, Jesus, what am I drinking? Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Welcome, dear listeners, to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa, and this is from across the nation, my co-host, Wendy. Yay! Wendy is joining me through the power of Google Hangouts. So uh, we are watching each other on video. I'm in Minneapolis. She's in Austin, Texas. We are drinking, and we are joined by the power of technology. Hallelujah. future (laughs) so this is approximately like eight hours after you've moved (laughs) not true a week and a half a week and a half a week and a half but it is less than a day after the couch was unearthed and set up properly Mm. so that's that's important to know okay yeah yeah Yeah. that's very important and it's approximately three days from me moving all of a mile away so (laughs) where we are one with our comfortability with cardboard boxes and bubble wrap yes yes there have been a lot of those things in both our lives and and moving blankets and tape and and there there comes a point in packing where you sort of go screw being organized Put it in a box. Just put put it in a box. It doesn't matter anymore. Just put it in a box. Speaking of organized, Melissa, <laughs> I I just need to interject here. Hi, Monty. Opening the electronics box uh-huh. from the TV was like a blessing. <laughs> and See, that's only, what you- uh, the first time I opened an Apple product box, it was for a, a Mac, a Mac Pro, a uh, uh, Power Mac. Anyway, and I actually wrote a letter to Apple about how well it was put together in the box, and uh, I almost wrote one to you directly. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you for that blessed bit of help with the move. I. I would pay you to do that again. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay. So when we have to move again, we're going to pay for you to come down to Texas and pack our electronics. (laughs) Dear listeners, if you're new to the podcast, that's Wendy's husband, Chris, otherwise known as Monty for various reasons. So yes. um, When I helped them move, um, I was tasked with packing the electronics and with a lamp. So those were my achievements of the day. And the lamp made it beautifully. Good. good and good. the the two moving guys I hired were like, apparently you love lamps. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> I did write I love lamp on a box, and that amused me. So I do have. Me. I do currently have boxes labeled monsters in my house. So we'll see what happens when we open those. So anyway, what are we drinking tonight, Wendy? Okay. I went to my new liquor store, which, mm-hmm. as I, I mentioned previously, whether or not it makes it in the cut, the it's called Twin Liquors, which is funny 
because I'm not in the Twin Cities anymore. It's well, so strange. It's a little bit of home. But it's over by the H-E-B or the Heeb or I'm not sure what Austinites call it. I'm not an Austinite yet. Um, and I found a an Argentinian Malbec. Of course you did. And it's called La Puerta. And the, the very helpful, wonderful, knowledgeable, friendly guy at the store was like, oh, that means door which I did actually know, <laughs> FYI. But look at this label. I'm trying to show you. Look at how cool that is. It's very shiny. I can see that it's, all yeah. the way. I can see that all the way across the nation. It's and, true. It's got like burgundy with gold, like um, sort of Aztec-y things mm -hmm. on it. Right? Yeah, I'm showing it to Melissa on my video cam. I'm going to crack open the screw top now. Sweet. Ah, that's good stuff. Mm, let's see what wait oh i was drinking something else hold on <laughs> i love I'm it you were pre-gaming you were pre-gaming <laughs> uh okay what let's see mm. Ooh. Mm. okay it's very mm. it's uh it's got a chewy quality even in the nose hold on nice Oh, yeah, that's going to do me fine. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yes, nicely put, Everini. So, <laughs> and you, Melissa? So I, um, like a fool, like the fool I was, I packed all the booze. <laughs> and I don't know where the box is. Except for the box that contains Pat Harrigan's liquors that he didn't want anymore. So those are truly scary, and I didn't touch those. But I dug into the back of my refrigerator, and I found a bottle of Killipitch which is a um, German liqueur that I bought for oh drinking with geeks. Oh, God. And um, this is a bottle I found at the local uh, municipal liquor store with about a half inch of dust on it, uh, selling at it a great discount, even though this is a bottle of liqueur that can rarely be found outside of Germany. And as I'm learning, it's probably for a reason. Um, the description on the back is the true herbal liqueur specialty made from more than 90 fruits, berries, and herbs. Try it for yourself. A taste of old Dusseldorf. Okay. Old Dusseldorf is <laughs> old Dusseldorf. <laughs> I'm, re I'm so, reminded of like, um, uh, of, a springtime for Hitler. Of, well, yeah. Um, of a Lovecraftian story where they're drinking old Shoggoth beer or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that, that's a Neil Gaiman story. Yeah. 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 And they actually made a beer from it and that beer is pretty good. This, this is like the, um, give me a moment. Hmm. It's kind of syrupy. <laughs> it, it's herbally. Yeah, so it's like drinking a cough syrup. <laughs> it's kind of like a cough syrup. It's it's kind of like if um, it doesn't have a licorice taste to it. But if you can imagine somebody deciding to make cough syrup out of oh, what's that green crap that drives you insane? Um, <laughs> absinthe. <laughs> absinthe. Because absinthe has that same like freeze. <laughs> antifreeze is sweeter um no absinthe has that same kind of herbal quality to it in in addition to the the licorice taste so that it, that's kind of what i'm drinking here it's kind of the color of of um flat coca-cola that's maybe been dehydrated for a little bit oh melissa 
So that here is I am. really that's really commitment to our podcast that you're willing to drink that. It's mm-hmm. a it's what I got, Wendy. It's what I got. Oh, I got I got. <laughs> I, I bought so many bottles of wine, I would give you one if I could. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, so we should talk about moving movies now that we have our sound oh. working. All right, listeners, this week, our topic for our inaugural bilocational podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, the topic is, appropriately enough, movies about moving. Yay! Yay! What, Melissa, what I love is when she said, I haven't had time to do research except for one movie I could think of off the top of my head, which is The Money Pit. <laughs> and funnily enough, that kept popping up on all the lists that I was looking at, but I didn't write it down because I'm like, nah. <laughs> it, it'll it'll automatically come up because it is the one movie that always comes up when people go, oh, you're buying a house. Have you ever seen The Money Pit? Yes. Yes, yes I have. I have lived the money pit. <laughs> true story. True story. Um, but that's but see that's more a movie about buying a house, it's not true. about the process of moving or sort of the aftermath true. of moving. True. Although and, moving is a big part of it because presumably when you buy a house you move into it, unless you're a house hmm. flipper or something. <laughs> And suddenly the the image of House Flipper came into my head. And so there's this dolphin who goes out to purchase (laughs) undervalued homes and then flips them around in the real estate market and gets rich. So So what's on your list, Wendy? Well, I have a variety. I will say there are lots of animated films Okay. There are, um, I did manage to find a couple horror. I uh, found a classic of the uh, dance movie genre, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And comedies, of course, as well. Now, what's mostly going to pop up, though, is the actual process of moving is rarely covered. And that makes me a little sad. But there are a lot of movies about the psychological and emotional impact of either having to move or pre-moving mostly are like getting there and then like adjusting is most of what I saw. Well, there are so Um, many movies where you at least start out with somebody who's been displaced, who has moved to a new town or moved to a new city or state or country. And it's the fish out of water story, or, you know, they're learning to come to terms with the new people around them. So I actually thought... Or ghosts or monsters or what have you. Okay. um, With your comment about ghosts, that changes my tee-off movie to... (laughs) Poltergeist? The other... No, the others. (laughs) Oh, that's good too. Although Poltergeist is in there too. We'll have to touch base on that. Okay. But the others starring Nicole Kidman, the very atmospheric ghost story movie, which, spoilers, there are ghosts. (laughs) <laughs> that's as much of a spoiler as i want to give i know the movie's like 10 10 years old i still don't care i don't want to ruin it for people well, who yeah, haven't it's seen not it. as universally known as a lot of other movies that we tend to talk about so i i think there are still people out there who have not yet been surprised and delighted and terrified by the others yeah so um here and the reason why it's a moving movie is because People are moving in with each other, and we'll just leave it at that. 
<laughs> but if you've never seen it, uh, it's Nicole Kidman right before her face got weirdly plastic. Mm-hmm. Right. When she was really at the height of her British wan Grace Kelly beauty, right? Mm-hmm. That very ice princess beauty. And oh, God, whoever did the costumes on that movie just nailed it. She is gorgeous. And the story is about how she's waiting for her husband to come home from the war. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they are. they did just move into this house, didn't they? Or something yeah. or they have... Or they yeah. have new servants because she keeps having to tell the servants, we have to keep the drapes closed. Maybe it's new servants. I forget. But her two children are light phobic. Not phobic. That implies fear. Allerg- but Allergic. They, allergic. Allergic to light. To light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the drapes, it has to be kept very, very dark. So the house is closed up and it's always misty and foggy. And, oh, it's just, it's a beautiful um, atmospheric ghost story, like in the old thirties British way. Ah, oh, it's so good. And very delicately directed and wonderful. Oh my God. And I was about to say, it reminds me of the uninvited, which is another movie about moving into a house. It is. It totally is. It's like, Yay. Oh, here's this new house. Oh, it's haunted. There are so many, <laughs> there are so many <laughs> movies about that. Like poltergeist is the exact same thing. Here's our new house. It's haunted. <laughs> yes. They just moved in. Hey, we're in a new development. This is great. Why are things happening? Okay, so everybody's seen or heard of the poltergeist, but I want to give a little love to the uninvited because that's got Ray Moland mm-hmm. and Ruth Hussey. Oh, oh, and um, oh, who's the other female lead? Do you remember? Gail Russell. And that's a story about a brother and sister who uh, go on a holiday because they're British and that's what they do. And they find this old house and they're like, oh, it's wonderful. We want to buy it. And they do buy it. But then they find out the reason it was so cheap and they could afford it was haunted. <laughs> and such a great script. Very dry, very lightly witty script. So good. Love it so much. So if we're going to continue on the, hey, we just moved into a house and it's haunted, you realize what else we need to talk about. Well, please proceed. I want to hear what you found. Beetlejuice. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) I love Beetlejuice so much. Child of the 80s, of course, but... Yeah, uh... I love love all the parts of Beetlejuice that aren't Michael Keaton, and I like the parts with Michael Keaton at about 75%. So it's not like I hate those parts. It's just sort of like, oh, Michael Keaton, my enjoyment goes down 25%. Which is unfortunate, because Michael Keaton is fun when he's on full bore, but... It, it's it's just a little too. I'm yeah. wild and crazy. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I, keep, I can't handle it. Um, but yeah, so Beetlejuice. Oh my God, we're getting old, Melissa. There might be people who've never seen it. That would be a terrible shame. People, if you have not seen Beetlejuice, you should see Beetlejuice. It is a uh, delightfully strange quirky 80s movie and quirky in that early Tim Burton sort of way because it is an early Tim Burton movie and we're talking full-on heavy eye makeup bizarro architecture lots of checkerboards and the random inclusion of sandworms Tim Burton (laughs) before he he got bored with life and just decided to cast Johnny Depp in every single role (laughs) yeah yeah 
And yeah. it's um, it's Tim Burton when he was still lightly quirky mm-hmm. and before he embraced his I'm an artiste who is different then. It's like, yeah, but you stopped telling a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. being delightfully suburban. <laughs> And being, really being ghosts, afraid. being ghosts, because, you know, they yeah. they are this cute married couple who uh, a horrible thing happens to and they become ghosts and they go back to their home and find out that it's been inhabited by a married couple who are assholes and their young goth daughter, who is Winona Ryder. And uh, now the, the parent, the, the terrible, awful parents, one of them is uh, Jeffrey Jones and the other is Catherine uh Oh, now I'm totally going to blank on her name. But yeah, they're 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 funny 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 people. And uh and of course Winona Ryder being her gothiest goth goth. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah. And then there's this inclusion of this kind of Loki-like demon called Beetlejuice that gets summoned and it throws uh, chaos into everybody's life. And so basically Gina Davis and uh, Alec Baldwin are trying to haunt their own house to chase out the bad people, even though uh, the Winona Ryder character is okay and is kind of down with them, with them uh, chasing out her parents. And uh, it's it's just fun. It's just fun. And it is. The creature design is amazing. The, it is. The general design of the film is just delightful. And Dick Cavett makes a lovely. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and the woman's name is Catherine O'Hara of oh, all. Oh, oh, SCTV. Um, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. Oh, yes. that's right. Uh, I was seeing her red hair, but not the rest of her face. And I forgot that was Catherine O'Hara with her, her big blue eyes. And the, she does the crazy eyes really well. She, uh-huh. and, and she she is the, the crazy new agey uh, upper class woman from the late 80s. It, she's delightful yeah. and awful at the same time. Oh, and, and she's very artistic. And I love yeah. I love what they do to the house. Oh, like yeah. they're crazy architectural things they do to the house. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love that, that part. The whole film um, is like oh. a playground. Wait, I just thought of another movie. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, because in thinking about crazy architecture, that got me to thinking about another movie that has features a house with architecture that I'm like, that's really interesting. And nobody would really actually want to live that way, by the way. And I think it's called House Sitter or House Guest. It's got Goldie Hawn and Steve Martin. Oh, my. House Sitter. Yes. House Sitter. House Sitter. The premise of the movie. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying that I've watched a lot of shitty movies. And this one is what (laughs) I just remembered. So the premise of the movie is he, he is a designer. And an architect and he's made his own personal dream house for his, the love of his life, his childhood, this girl he's loved since childhood, who is played by Dana Delaney, I think. Okay. And he, he finishes the house. He brings her there and shows it to her. And he's like, will you marry me? And she, and she, of course, like the audience is like, you've got the bathroom in the middle of the bedroom and i've never felt that way about you and and she's clearly one of those people who just loves having somebody be in love with her but in a very condescending way she's like no i'm not gonna be with you please i just love the way you fawn all over me um and uh and he's devastated and he leaves the house alone 
and goes back to work where he is an underappreciated genius of an architect. And he meets up. <laughs> He meets a waitress played by Goldie Hawn, and she's so she's so manic pixie dream girl, I can't even tell you. And she makes up stories constantly. It's like she's almost pathologically lying, but it's supposed to be presented as adorable. Hmm. And he draws her a picture of the house and she goes and she finds it and she moves in. And she starts telling random people around the town where he grew up, like that they're married or this or that. And then he finds her and, you know, just the, you know, and he, he's the shenanigans ensue of like this, him going along with the stories she's told because of these potential benefits. And then his boss comes to a party and, oh, maybe you're actually talented. And, and then she's leaving because he's like, I can't handle how you lie all the time. But then he runs after her. Oh, maybe I love you, which is, again is the part of the movie where you're like, no, actually, that would be horrifying to live with somebody like that. But there, it's about moving into a house that you don't own. <laughs> so I just spent wow. five minutes talking about a movie that I I don't think I actually recommend, but it does have Goldie Hawn and P- and Steve Martin, so there's mileage might vary. But um, going back to horror movies, let's just keep going there. Yeah, why not? Can you? Th- can, can, can you think of another one? It's a common trope, right? Moving into a oh, house God, that there, you oughtn't have moved into. so many of them. What is the classic, you moved in and you really shouldn't have? Amityville Horror? <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> this house purchase was a bad idea. <laughs> Dear listeners, if you, it is if you find a house that is priced at a price that's too good to be true, it's probably haunted. Uh-huh. Oh, I just thought of another one. <laughs> there, there are so many of those. But yes, it's a common trope. Yes, yeah, Amityville Horror. Definitely, you know, you you move in and suddenly the walls start bleeding. Your husband looks creepily like the son who murdered his family in the house, and he gets up at the exact same time the murders happened every night, and goes out to the boathouse, and your daughter starts having an imaginary friend named Joey. It's a pig demon. It's a pig demon. Anyway. Okay, well, I just had the weirdest that? electronic glitch on this end. That was really spooky. Is my house haunted? Can you see something behind me? <laughs> I'm watching. The room did get dim. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. This could totally be a scene in the movie. I'm watching you when you're talking about haunted house movies and suddenly there's a shape looming over your shoulder that you can't see. The light's It's like dim the a new little. modern... And then the everything kind of pixelates and Google Hangouts goes dead. Ah, oh, I can see it right Wait, now. Wait, I think I think I've seen this in a trailer already. <laughs> Did Cargill write this movie? <laughs> Speaking of which, Sinister exactly is where my one of those. brain went. <laughs> yeah, Sinister. In fact, it's all about one of the ways they figure out how the demon works is by tracking down the way these families have moved. Yeah. And how and how the attacks have moved. Ah, super cool. But yeah, yeah that's another um, that's another one where why would you move into that house? Except in this case, it's not about an unsuspecting family, you know, moving into a wow, it's weirdly cheap. I guess we'll buy it. It's huh, we didn't move in down the street from a murder, did we, honey? Uh no. And technically he's not lying, because he's an asshole. <laughs> It's like, I want the murder house. I'm just not going to tell my wife. But I I love how Sinister kind of doubles down on the trope. It's not just 
the one family that moved into the new house that has the the dark history. It's a whole string of houses that have dark histories, and the demon has been following family to family. Ah, so good. I know, right? It really was a really good movie, like really original and clever. Ah. And we're not just saying that because our friend wrote it. No, like, first off, Mr. Boogie is a genuinely scary character design and a scary concept. Oh, yeah. Bagul is is creepy. Yeah. And he is uniquely suited to horrify parents from somebody who's never going to have kids. I'm really impressed that Cargill tapped into that. (laughs) And Ethan Hawke is so good in that movie. Yeah, it all rests on his performance. And, you know, Ethan Hawke is a tremendous actor. He really is. The fact that they got him on board should tell you what a quality script it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, kind of, still definitely sort of in the horror genre. Lost Boys. Oh, you're right. <laughs> and and it's a common trope, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. family has had to move for whatever reasons and adjusting to the new town. The way the Lost Boys was uniquely original was adjusting to the new town meant discovering there were vampires. Mm-hmm. As it, you it do. wasn't it wasn't just the house, it was the entire town that was fucked up. Yes. Which I, which I appreciate, really. Yeah. I love the idea of a town that is fucked up. Now, granted, we all know from having watched uh digging up the marrow that the idea of something can be fun but living it would be actually horrifying yeah that's true that's true like the idea of moving to a town where there are vampires is fun in theory as an idea but i don't think any of us actually want to live with vampires no no well if one of them was Kiefer sutherland uh maybe i might be willing to live forever with Kiefer sutherland that'd be kind of especially because I will say these days, there are enough people um, outing themselves on the internet as being complete assholes that if I had the power to fly, I could just go eat them. <laughs> so there would be there would be enough food opportunities like to go down. Oh, was it Angel who only ate bad guys? So one, of, one of the classic vampires was like, I'm going to try to be a good vampire, so I'm only going to eat bad guys. Yeah. See, I would, try to only, I would only try to only eat bad guys, and I feel like, given all the misogynistic, homophobic, asshole people on the internet, that you could find enough assholes to live on right now. Are you saying that you'd use the Gamergate hashtag as a menu? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Pretty much everybody in that movie had awesome 80s hair. Everybody. Like, even yeah, cause, even Edward Herman, you know, had the kind of businessman 80s hair. Yeah. Diane Wiest had the, the short, perky 80s older woman uh, 80s hair. And then, like, the young cast had, like, if I the remember Duran right, Duran 80s hair. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland was rocking a mullet. Oh, he did. He, oh, it was a grand mullet. It's pretty fantastic. And, oh, and didn't he have times, like dark roots or something? Like he had the the bleached blonde with the dark roots or something. Yeah, yeah, he totally was very, <laughs> very dangerous looking. Yeah. Oh, and Jamie Gertz had the huge. Oh, I would have killed for her hair in the eighties. That huge, long, curly mass of hair. Oh man, the, I the one that would be impossible so to maintain. <laughs> yeah, but it looks so. Good looks so good. Ah. 
I do have a couple more horror movies, but I am going to sideline on the, uh, (laughs) I'm going to sideline on the vampire topic to a movie that is still kind of horrifying. Twilight. Oh, oh, Windy. It's about Bella moving to a new town. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. And making new friends and getting that first crush on a boy that you meet in class who's a vampire. And oh my God, if you haven't seen the movie, I do recommend getting a bottle of something strong and watching it with a few friends because that is super entertaining. One of these days, I'm just going to marathon the fuckers and yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. but we have to do it together because okay. that would be super fun, and we should and we should live tweet it or something. No, we should we because... should do an episode on that. Okay, Wendy, we are doing a Twilight episode. We we are okay. going to subject ourselves to Twilight. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you have you have to put it on the list. Put it on the list right now. Story time with Wendy. I went to see that movie with the intention of seeing a bad movie. I knew it would be bad, and I went to see it with Hedgy Marina Yoder. The two of us were like, let's go see this movie together. Ha ha. And we did. Um, I have fond memories of that day because that was the day that after the movie, Hedgie said, here, I think you would like this show. And she handed me a box set of slings and arrows, oh, which wow. was pretty. Yeah, I know. Right. And we went to go see it. And there was us and about 20 little preteen girls in the theater. It was like a Saturday matinee. And the two of us, we weren't drunk, but we were giddy from just like, we're going to watch it. (laughs) When Robert Pattinson first walks in and he's got the pale makeup on and his hair is enormous. His hair, his hair could eat something, right? (laughs) As very, and he, and he kind of Elvises his way into the room and Marina. Oh my God, he's a glitter Elvis? He's a glitter Elvis. Hedgie and I just burst out laughing and oh the dirty looks we got from the 12 year old girls were just <laughs> made us laugh even harder <laughs> so last two horror movies on my movies about moving list okay let the right one in Ooh, good choice and of course the remake of let, course let me in let let me in with chloe uh uh, Chloe Grace. Moretz Grace Grace Chloe Grace Moretz Chloe Grace Moretz that's yes. it I love her I absolutely love her both movies are great mm-hmm. like and you should actually watch them they would make I don't know that I'd do them as a double feature because they are so similar mm-hmm. like I wouldn't want them back to back but they're t- like kind of like Vanilla Sky and Obrelos Ojos in that they're the same movie but so tonally different mm-hmm. that they're still both really, really good in different ways. Although so, yeah. they're they're also tonally very alike. The 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 difference in the American one is it cones in even more closely on the story that of the relationship of the two characters. It it cuts out even more fat than the Swedish version did. It's Swedish, right? Yes. Remember. Yes. It's a Scandinavian. Yes, Scandinavian somewhat somewhere yeah well it's not nor I know it's not Norwegian it's not Norway. and I remember th- and I remember and I know it's not Finnish yeah. uh, it's not nearly weird enough and I remember <laughs> thinking that all of the interiors looked like Ikea so it must be Swedish um mm. 
So for those of you who haven't seen Let the Right One In, uh, continuing on our vampire theme from Lost Boys Twilight and now Let the Right One In, there is a vampire story at the core, but it takes a while for you to uncover it because what the story is about is poor Oscar, who is a lonely little boy who is bullied by everyone. And it is winter in Sweden, which means it is always dark and it is always fucking cold. And a little girl moves in next door. So it's about the little girl moving in and him making friends with the little girl and how odd she is. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. And it goes from there and it's, oh, it's delightful. It's very slow and meticulous and deliberate, but never slow to the point of, okay, eventually this will pay off, right? Nope. You never even get to the, to the okay, I'm kind of getting bored. Oh, good. Now we've moved on. You never even get to that point. It's just very... Ah, it's like Bolero. <laughs> right? You just eventually add in all the instruments and very Yeah. In the the pace the pace is so deliberate but you never get bored you're like this is the pace this movie moves at but the rhythm is so compelling and then it ends in an orgy of fantasticness. <laughs> um, good movies. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good movies. Good music, too. Um, Okay, and then, continuing on our fantastical bent, the other one would be Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, that Again. (laughs) Yeah, but it's about moving, and it's about moving into a new situation. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And And adapting to a new stepfather and the whole uh thing. Wow. The whole whole thing. And I will tell you, moving down to Austin... I have not moved as an adult adult before, not moved cultures like this. The last time I moved cultures, I was 22. So it didn't really count because I was coming out of college anyway. You don't realize how much you take for granted in a place until you realize you don't know what to do. (laughs) It's like, where's the closest grocery store? (laughs) How old are they open? uh, Yeah. (laughs) Do you have 24-hour grocery stores here? They are not common. Really? They are not common here. What the hell? I'm not entirely I'm not entirely sure. I'm still trying to find them. What? what? Oh. How do you go shopping at 2 o'clock in the morning like I often do? When you, I know. When you need donuts at 3 a.m., what do you do? I'm not sure. I'm still trying to figure it out. Anyway, so the idea of moving... And being displaced and how you don't know where anything is or how things work here. Because in movies, it's never about just moving down the, a mile away, Miss Melissa. Yeah, god damn it. <laughs> it's never about moving a mile away. You're always moving like to a whole new place. Like in the movie Footloose, for example. <laughs> nice segue i know right poor ren mccormick he's a big city kid coming from where it's cool right and he's got his thin tie and he moves to beaumont (laughs) do we we know do we know where beaumont is it's not austria despite what tim wick would have you believe (laughs) no i feel like I feel I feel I, like I'm it's Nebraska it or Montana. I'm looking it up on Google. Okay. Where is Beaumont? Where is Beaumont? In the movie Footloose, is Beaumont? I feel like it's either Nebraska or Montana. Both are horrifying, but for different reasons. 
it, the fictional town of Beaumont is apparently in Georgia, or perhaps Tennessee. No, no, that's in the remake. In the oh, remake, they are clear that it is in the South. But oh. in the original, Laurie Singer, John oh. Lithgow, Diane's amazing cast, Footloose, it is, it is definitely much more Plains. It was filmed in Utah. You, there, okay, that makes sense. Because it, it looks Western, Plainsy, Big Sky. Yeah. Right. That's a lot more grass than I ex- was expecting in Utah, though. Utah. <sighs> Utah. Let me say that again. Utah. <laughs> Utah. So Footloose is a story about a young man coming to a small town with his big city ways and the uh, culture shock therein. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of... I feel a kinship with Ren McCormick. I just want to dance. <laughs> I I imagine you can dance in Austin. I mean, oh. it is the like one of yeah. the music capitals of the world, Wendy. I'm presuming dance happens in Austin, Texas. I mean, yeah, just, but it's got, just guessing. It's, just guessing. Yeah. But it's got cowboy boots on and I'm a jazz hands girl. <laughs> Why not both? Most of the rest of this list is very family-friendly. Footloose is sort of the gateway, except for, except for, one notable notable exception about moving. Oh, yes? Streetcar named Desire. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's an interesting choice, Wendy. Well. No, it's absolutely, yes, I, I agree. Wow. You just went all Tennessee Williams on me. That's amazing. I did not expect that. <laughs> okay, listeners, you need you do need to know about a new dynamic in our podcasting relationship that might perhaps need to be put into the drinking game. If you suspect that Wendy might be mugging for the Google Hangout camera to Melissa... I'm going to have to take notes about what the keystrokes are to take screenshots. And then we should share them on the post in the show notes. Well, give me a second, Wendy. (laughs) I I keep doing Muppet arms at Melissa. (laughs) There is a whole new dynamic to our relationship now that there's a camera that I can mug at. When last we spoke about moving movies, we were talking about Footloose, which we is were, your... We were talking about Streetcar Named Desire, is what we were oh, talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah. Oh, shoosh. Okay, we Some can, of us let's have enter been that. More... Let's enter that. Or, or do you want to go back to Footloose? No, 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 no. You're right. Streetcar. Totally Streetcar. Okay. Tennessee fucking Williams. Now, the, uh, the, the movie, there have been several versions of the movie. Yes. I need to look them up, though. Because I, I but just of course, realized. you know, the definitive one is Brando, just because yeah. that was the, that was kind of the the well, not the birth of method acting, but there was this kind of clear delineation between what everybody else was doing and what Brando was doing. Because Brando in moviedom, you know, the reason he's the iconic figure he is is because at the time of Streetcar Named Desire and on the waterfront, he was espousing this whole different style of acting on screen while everybody else was doing this more stilted sort of style that was from movies previous. So it's really crazy to watch Streetcar Named Desire 
and realize that Brando is in a different movie from everybody else. <laughs> it, it is well, really interesting contrasting the styles of acting. Well, and it's who he's in the movie with. He's in that movie with Vivian Lee, mm-hmm. Kim Hunter, and Carl Malden. Mm-hmm. Now, listeners, I feel like this is definitely one that perhaps many of you haven't seen. If you haven't, this is a classic for a reason. It yeah. is a classic of the theater. The The story, as told by Tennessee Williams, the script is a classic. It is fascinating psychological shit going down, man. Oh, yeah. And Tennessee Williams was a, was a theater um, playwright who, goddamn, if he wouldn't have been... I feel like he would have been perfect for movies because he really desperately was trying to create dream states and alternative realities and flashbacks in theater, which is really hard to do. But you can tell reading his his scripts that he was really trying to come up with a more with a less linear, a less objective view of theater that was more psychological. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he like. Tarantino and Tennessee Williams were the hated would have either hated each other or gotten along like gangbusters. One of the two. Um, Cause I, I just think the two of them would have just been like, Oh, we could tell it in this crazy way. Yeah. <laughs> so you get, you get this great script by Tennessee Williams about Blanche Dubois and she has to move in with her sister. The two of them are from an old Southern family that honestly has fallen on hard times. And the younger sister, Stella, has made a choice to marry, quote, beneath her mm-hmm. to Stanley, who is a working class man played by Marlon Brando. And Natch, who still definitely has a lot of class ideas, is forced to move into the, in with them because of money. And it's a chain reaction of shit it's a shit storm it really just is and the performances are amazing and you should totally watch the movie it's fantastic stuff so now the rest of my list is uh pretty much family fair oddly enough well there's (laughs) let's okay i should when i say family fair i should say nothing that a kid would you shouldn't let a kid watch now there are some things that maybe a kid wouldn't enjoy for example one of my favorite little movies that I I finally watched and went, oh, this is kind of delightful. I've been hearing about it for years and I finally watched it. The Station Agent. I've heard so much about The Station Agent and yet I still haven't watched it. It's got, that was me. uh, It's got Tyrion, right? It's got Tyrion Lannister in it, right? It's got Peter Dinklage in it. (laughs) It it was, and the, the movie hinges on his performance and like so many of the great projects he does on honestly even game of thrones is kind of still like look it's a little person the station agent what is so great is you really get the sense that the this was not colorblind casting but this was a director who's just like you're a great actor i don't care who the role was written for you would do a good job with it mm-hmm. because the role is not even remotely about him being a little person it's just a guy who doesn't fit in anywhere. And he's got his, this weird little job working in a train miniature store with his best friend, except that his best friend and he, like, I think they're roommates. They don't talk to each other. They're, they're 
classic introverts in that they're just <laughs> two people who are incredibly happy being near each other without ever having to actually interact. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> and his friend dies suddenly and he finds out that his friend, first off, owned some property and second, left it to him. And what he owned was a train, an old abandoned train station. And he goes out and finds it and moves into it and then proceeds to meet the people in his new town, one of whom is a food truck driver, a Hispanic <laughs> food truck driver who's an extrovert. And so the, watching that relationship play out is so delightful to me personally because <laughs> it's, it's me and every introvert I've ever met. <laughs> Where I've liked them and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I know I'm frightening to you, but I think you're nice and I would like to know you better. Please don't <laughs> run away. Please don't run away. <laughs> and and it's a small movie. It's a small movie. And it's in yeah, it's just sort of fascinating. Peter Dinklage's in it, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> because it's about it's about three characters in a very small town. It and it's yeah. not trying to be anything bigger than that but it's still a great story about the way we move into a new space and begin to inhabit it yeah i really really liked it oh you would love it put it on the list Melissa. oh, oh I, I know i know i will i will other movies that perhaps kids would not enjoy odd couple <laughs> oh good choice i love the odd right? couple oh it's about Moving into a new space yeah. where you have to share a space with your fucking opposite because you're stuck with them. <laughs> mm. Oh, brilliant oh. movie. Love it so oh, much. Oh, so good. Okay, and we are talking about the classic Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau. We are. We are. Okay. Although, you know, I have a certain fondness for the TV show as well. Because I remember watching the TV show when I was growing up. Oh, which yeah. Was Tony Randall and... Um, Klugman. Yeah, Jack Klugman. That's right. Ah, we know what we're talking about. Because <laughs> I, I saw the show before I ever saw the movie as well. Ah. And, and it is actually delightful. And even as a kid, it gave me the idea that sometimes you just have to put up with people. And you can even like people that you kind of, that kind of make you crazy. That's what my like, entire relationship with Fess is predicated upon. <laughs> so, so, um, you mean your fiance? My fiance. Love him dearly. <laughs> <laughs> you love him, but you're like, I don't understand you. You do things so different. There, there is think, nobody like him. I, I'll give him that. Yeah, you found a one of a kind. <laughs> um, other things on my list that kids would not enjoy. Marie Antoinette. Oh, interesting. Tell me more. This, this popped is, up on my list. Is this a Sofia Coppola? Yes, the okay. one with Kirsten Dunst. Okay, have you yes. seen this? No, I have not. Okay, you should put it on your list okay. because I actually quite liked it. And it's got Jason Schwartzman. Oh. And it was not the movie that I thought it was. And I feel like it got panned for the wrong reasons. Like, I can understand if you don't love it, but the the critiques I read of it were kind of like, yeah, but that's not what bothered me about the movie. I can see things that could bother you, <laughs> but those shouldn't have been them. One of, Because it really focuses on Marie. And what it really shows you is how disconnected from reality they are, they were, but also how the entire structure disconnected her. One of the earliest scenes is she has been given in marriage to the King of France and she's from Austria. And when she reaches the border, they 
put her, there is a house that they have built on the border where one side is in Austria and the other side is in France. Mm -hmm. And she goes in one side and they strip her of everything. They bathe her and they put her in new clothes and she comes out the other side and they even take away her pet dog because she is not allowed to bring anything with her into France that was part of her old life. And they even like change how they address her. I forget. I I believe they change her name. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you're going to go by this name now, but she's all of like fucking 12 and they take away her. She's going to live in a new country with nobody because they won't let any of her old servants or anybody come with her. And so she's going to this new country with nothing and they won't even let her bring her dog. Jesus. Exactly. And, and so I don't know. I mean, like I haven't done a ton of historical research into Marie Antoinette, but in terms of the internal truth of the story, when you watch the story, it's fascinating and it really shows you it's a really good exploration of moving into a new space and having to live with people that you don't know and Mm -hmm. trying to negotiate new realities. Like, so, you know, the first night that she's married to the king and in the morning, she's literally laying in bed with the king and all of the courtiers come in (laughs) to help her, to help her get ready. And there is a strict hierarchy of, no, this, you don't get a say. And these 12 people will come in. And this one, because of her status, gets to uh, bathe you. And this one gets to give you your robe. And this one gets to give you your slippers. And if you snub them in any way, they will become your political enemies. <laughs> like, like, let's really think about how awful that would be. That, On the that one is hand, a hierarchy born of boredom. <laughs> Jesus. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah, it was. it's a really fascinating movie. And it's oddly charming too jason like you really get the sense that poor louis <laughs> like their their sex life is not going well because he doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> who really did back then aside from courtesans and and, and how hard it and how hard it would be for the two of them to build a relationship when every interaction they are never alone mm-hmm. right except when they are allowed to copulate mm-hmm like it's ah, oh, I think you would really like it, and I, I, yeah, and I really like Kirsten Dunst and Jason Schwartzman in it. And again, it's a movie about somebody having to move to a new place. Let's see, uh, other movies kids wouldn't like. Mm, do 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 do. There's really only one more on my list, and a kid, an older kid, would probably enjoy it. Coming to America. <laughs> Yay! That's a fun movie. I haven't seen that in ages. It is. It is a complete uh, fish out of water story. It's Eddie Murphy coming to America as an African prince, was it? Yes. And uh, the the misadventures therein. And what's so enjoyable is that it is a it's it's an it's a movie populated entirely by black actors. Yeah. I don't think there I don't think there's even a token white character in it of like the white best friend even. Now that I think about it, which yay, yeah, yay. it's fantastic, especially for the time it was made. Um, and well, even now, in that because Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall had such crossover appeal, it was not billed as a black movie. It was mm-hmm. just 
the a summer comedy that everybody yeah. went and saw. And I kind of feel bad now that there are, there are a lot of African-American, there are a lot of black movies, but they do get just marketed as black movies. And it's like, why can't we have something like coming to America? Yeah. But everybody goes to see, because why wouldn't you? Well, there, there's been this striation of our entertainment because I think it was easier to make like movies with an all female cast in the eighties as well, because we were kind of coming off of the, the, the 1970s where everybody was up in arms about equality. And so it was easier to make stuff like nine to five and have it appeal to a broad audience or make something like coming to America and have it appeal to a broad audience. And I love nine to five. Isn't nine to five amazing <laughs> and a little it. dated, but it's gloriously dated, but and I mean, it's got Dabney Coleman. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. And, and, and Dolly Parton, Dolly <laughs> and, Parton. and Lily Tomlin. Right? And and Jane fucking Fonda. Oh, that's right. Ah, that's Oscar so winner Jane Fonda. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. But yeah, I I mean we we're right now we've got it, it's hard to get away with a cast that has more than one token black actor. <laughs> um, I know. Without being billed as, you know, something for a special interest group. Well, I mean it's like you've got mainstream american then you've got the tyler perry movies and it's like why aren't we watching the tyler perry movies and don't get me wrong it is great that he is making movies for i mean it there is nothing wrong with making movies towards a targeted audience except his movies there's no reason why they shouldn't cross over right are they great not necessarily but come on the schlock that we get out of hot out of regular hollywood ain't that much better oh yeah it's it's total schlock but boy is it amazingly potent schlock you know it's it is it is melodrama of the highest degree <laughs> well then i actually think tyler i i'm not talking about the big mama tyler perry yeah yeah right? he's no, big, I know. but the regular tyler perry he's actually a very likable actor yeah and i mean yeah his stories are very melodramatic and paint by numbers but so is so much else so i that's not an indictment given the shit that comes out of hollywood please oh, yeah. I know. And it's just, I think it's kind of a crime that these these movies are so segregated. Well, yeah, anything that's not white, aimed at white males of a certain aged group, it's it's a special interest film. And, you know, fuck that shit. That's bullshit. Especially yeah. considering that Coming to America was great. Coming to America was great. It was so delightful and enjoyable. Eddie Murphy was still super charming. And Arsenio Hall is the voice of the audience in that movie of, you're a fucking prince. Why would you live like this? <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> this, is, this is bullshit, my friend. This is terrible. And he goes to work at a McDonald's knockoff, the Golden Arcs. <laughs> McDougal's or whatever it is. McDonald's or something. <laughs> it's so crazy. And I feel like the dad from Good Times is in there. Maybe he is. But I know that James Earl Jones is in the cast. Oh, yeah, he is. So coming to America. All right. Now, everything else on my list is pretty fucking family friendly. Okay. Bring it on. Bring it on isn't a move. No, actually. No, I meant uh, bring it on, Wendy. <laughs> although I'm going to point out that the Eliza Dushku character did just move into town. Ah, uh, that's true. Bring it on. Ah, ha, 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 ha,
Here's one for you. Sound of music. Boom. Mm, mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting choice. Maria has to move out of the convent. Yes, Maria um, and moves in with the family, with the Von Trapps. With Christopher Plummer, who hated the movie and didn't want to do it and was drunk for most of it and was hitting on the girl who was playing Liesel. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> No, she was totally into it because Christopher Plummer was hot. It was well, mutual. it's true, but that's still kind of creepy. She was a she was of age. <laughs> she was like she was like twenty two or twenty three when she played sixteen year old Liesel. So it's not creepy, creepy. And Christopher Plummer was like in his late thirties. So it's not. Uh, and seriously, Christopher Plummer is hot. Okay, listeners, if you didn't know this, Liesel is older than than the girl playing Maria in that movie. <laughs> Julie Andrews was like 18 or 19, and Liesel was like t somewhere between 21 and 23. Holy cow. I had no yes. idea. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and Christopher Plummer hated the movie and didn't want to do it and was drunk for most of the filming. <laughs> Which makes me a little sad because I think Christopher Plummer is completely dreamy in that movie. But well, he is the, sound, the but Sound of Music is about a woman who wants to be a nun being forced to move into a new situation and discovering herself in the process, as we all do. Mm -hmm. We discover ourselves. It is through moving that we discover ourselves. It is not through spice alone. <laughs> it's Although, not spice alone. What is the Mintat thing? It is by will alone. It, I it set is my by mind will alone. Motion. I set my mind in motion. And it is by will alone that I decided to move all the way to Texas and uh Well, I think there myself. was a moving company also. Well, a trucking <laughs> company at least involved. I did hire a couple of moving men, by the way, and they were fantastic. I gave them total props. Oh, that's good. So by this by this logic, with Sound of Music being a moving movie, wouldn't the king and I also Yes! Bravo! I didn't have that on the list. Good yeah, job. Yeah, but no, um, was it Anna? The the character is Anna? Yeah, Anna uh, moves to Siam to become a, a teacher to the king's children, right? Is it? Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen King and I. I think it's I've more Anna recently seen it on the stage. Anna Leon Allens, played by Deborah Kerr. Mm -hmm. And uh, she is contracted by the king of Siam, who is played by... Yule Brenner. Brenner. Oh, oh my God, his bare chest is a thing of beauty. Oh God, so pretty. <laughs> um, it and yeah, uh, it's true. And she's very British, and it is very Anglo, Anglophilic. It is very much a celebration of how much everybody should try to be like the British. But um, it is based on the true story of Annalee and Owens, who was who went to Siam and uh, was hired by the King of Siam to educate his children because he could see the writing on the wall, which was my we children will, will do better. Yeah. Even though he recognized it needed to happen, he himself was not capable of it. So when you watch the movie, he dies of a broken heart at the end, be not because of Anna, but because he recognizes the changes that need to be made. He is not going to be capable of making. And it's, I mean, it's a really sophisticated concept and Yul Brynner plays the hell out of it. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, I got to see Yul Brynner play that role live. Oh, that's amazing. <sighs> see, when I went I to see, know. when I went to see King and I, it was Haley Mills playing Anna. I, no, I'm oh. not kidding. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was so fun. You know, it's the king and I. But, I make this face at you. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Wendy's making a face at me, dear listeners. Uh, but uh, yes, there's also another movie of the king and I called Anna and the King with Jodie Foster playing. Yes, Anna. and Chow Yun Fat and Chow Yun Fat. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I watched it. Of course, I did. And it is, um, it is much more. It's much. It's not a musical, obviously, and so it is much more a historical drama that is more realistic about the cultural. Uh, baggage that would be involved and it's also very interesting i actually do recommend that so anything that jodie foster does is worth watching because if jodie foster chose to do it there is something there whether or not it comes off there is there are ideas there that are worth perusing for two hours right yeah i agree with you on that jodie foster is a very intelligent very intelligent actress and producer too and director so um that actually is a good double feature. I don't um, watching the same story back to back doesn't often work, but Anna and the King and the King and I like that would actually work as a good double feature. I mm-hmm. do give that, I do give that props. And there's a lot of like cultural whiplash that happens in that movie, which is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now we're just down to all of the various uh, family friendly movies. Mm-hmm. For example, going back to the eighties, very similar to Footloose, actually. The Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah. Right? And once again, a kid from out east ending up in something sort of western. He stands out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. He doesn't blend in. Oh, Daniel-san. Oh. <laughs> oh, Ralph Macchio. We have discussed recently on the podcast, I was because I was listening to recent episodes, I, I listened to my own episodes. <laughs> listeners because i i'm always curious to see what melissa has done to make it to make them more coherent (laughs) (laughs) but we were talking about how the the karate kid sequels like they always have to make him fall in love with somebody and it's such a problem because that means they have to jettison the last girl that was the love of his life (laughs) but the original karate kid has elizabeth shoe and it's got Pat Morita, and you know what? It's super great. Yay! Yay! And again, it's a single mother. That is a common trope. Honestly, the Karate Kid could be a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Absent parents. There was something about the eighties where the the mother gets divorced, moves the kids, and that is the start of the movie. Well, because that happens a lot. Because isn't that what happened at the beginning of Lost Boys as well? Yes, and as well as Footloose, yeah, and Footloose, and so many other movies. Well, as a latchkey kid of the seventies, that is what single mothers often had to do. We were, I don't think people, on the one hand, when you realize how far we've come, how quickly, Mm -hmm. but it was literally a hundred years ago that women were given the right to vote. In a hundred years, we have come a long way, and it is not surprising that we are having backlash against women being completely human people when you consider how quickly we we have advanced. I mean, the fuck the way women have advanced even from the 1970s is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. And we sort of take for granted, well, of course I'm a person, and yet, and yet my own mother, who is one generation away her expectations for what her life would be were completely different than what I could expect to be. 
Mm -hmm. And my daughter's expectations are going to be completely different from mine, which is great. But in the late 70s and early 80s, if a woman got divorced, of course she would have to move the kids because there was no way the man was going to take the kids, number Mm -hmm. one. And there was no way she could support those kids on her own because she was not going to get a job that paid enough. So she was going to have to rely on family to help help her get her feet back under her. Mm -hmm. So, of course, she would move the kids to a new town to be with family members while she figured her life out. That's how you did it as a single mother. It's how my mom did it. We moved back to Kansas City and we moved in with my great grandmother for a little while while my mom got things sort of sorted out and got enough training to get a job that paid enough that she could actually afford an apartment for all of us. Mm -hmm. When you think about it, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, totally the same thing happened to me. You know, my mom moved in with my grandmother and, you know, I went with. Although, you know, kind of the flip side of that is Kramer versus Kramer, where... Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the movie that is advocating for, you know, fathers can also be the main caregiver, which was a, actually a really radical idea back in the late 70s. Well, the whole idea of of the mother being the primary caregiver was still sexist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all that's I mean, that's what she does. That's all she's really good at. How is she going to support them? We don't know. And we're actually the the fucking catch 22 of it all. We expect that the woman will take the kids, but we're not going to help her give her any supports to do so. Or, you know, if the man takes the kids, does the mother have to pay in? I mean, I mean, I know there's still the reason why that's not expected is because there's still wage disparity in this country. You know, women still earn less, but it's still, you know, if the man winds up taking the kids, shouldn't the woman yes. be helping out? It's only fair. But yeah, we can. Yeah, that's, that's a very long discussion. So other movies about moving. I'm going to throw this out. Candle Shoe with Jodie Foster. Of course. Of course. The classic, classic live action Disney adventure back when they were doing live action Disney adventures. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, listeners, it is still delightful. And it's got David Niven. And Aww. oh, oh, who's the British actress? She's so great. Um, Helen Hayes. Ooh. Helen, Helen, maybe she's not British. She might be American. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Helen fucking Hayes is in the movie as well. And it's so delightful and it's a con movie so it's a it's a con heist movie as well so it's super it's super great heist heist it is about jodie foster having to move into a new home and learn all the ways about it while also being part of a con that she's not 100 on percent on board with because she's a foster kid but so she's kind of tough but yeah. yeah you'd like it you'd like it you should watch it it's so great <laughs> you, know, you know what else is a uh two two of them are moving movies toy story one and three of course they are toy story one blatantly they're yep. moving houses right and does everybody have a moving buddy does everybody have a moving buddy <laughs> don't forget to get your moving buddy i would like a moving buddy I, I should have had a moving buddy. Everybody should have a moving buddy. Yeah, seriously. I have a moving buddy. You've got Fess. Fess is I a great Fess. moving buddy. He is a... He, <laughs> he's, he's actually getting a little too OCD for me, which is kind of crazy. But anyway. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we, we may be truly adequately matched. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, Toy Story 1 is a moving movie and how our lives change. And Toy Story 3, when Andy goes off to college and all all of our core toys have to move to a new house, Uh have to move to a new place. First, they move to the daycare, which they think is going to work out, but it doesn't. (laughs) Because there's evil there. There's an evil teddy bear. (laughs) (laughs) An evil care bear. I know, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Hold on. I just poured more wine. Okay, so I gave you Toy Story 1 and 3. Yes. You know, And you know what else goes in that category of Pixar, sort of Pixar Disney? Up. Yes. They move the house itself to yes. South America. Up <laughs> is definitely on the list. Yes, good job, you. And, and they find misadventures oh, in... South America as after they move. Well, and if the if the reason that you're introducing moving into a movie is the trope of trying to either find a new life or um, discover how your life had been holding you back, mm-hmm. that is definitely up. He that's everything about up. Yeah, he does not want to move. He does not want to change. And by forcing, being forced to move. His life does change for the better. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of beautiful and amazing. That, the, the opening of Up still makes me cry. It makes everybody cry. I know. It's part of why I can't watch that movie regularly because I'm like, oh, Up, am I willing to sit through 20 minutes that will make me cry? Not tonight. <laughs> and I love how they that's front-loaded into the movie. I mean, usually when you get movies that are tear jerkers the 20 minutes that make you cry are like way at the end after you've established all the characters no up is like okay within five minutes you are into the 20 minutes that make you cry like boom there they are and now fun adventure but god you know what i love about up okay so my current job is i build training modules for online training courses and one of the things i'm very aware of is as i choose character representations or people representations that that they are diverse not just in ethnicity and gender but also age mm-hmm. because um for as much as we talk about gender and ethnicity diversity one of the last sort of bastions of diversity is age and the fact that pixar made a movie where the protagonist is elderly is so brilliant and and wonderful Mm -hmm. yes it's still a white male who's elderly but we don't talk about old people in our society that often and we don't give them age not in kids films especially yeah Yeah. well especially in modern kids films there we used to have a lot more elderly people like if you look at the classic escape to witch mountain Mm -hmm. eddie albert Mm -hmm. whereas Mm -hmm. in the modern escape to witch mountain it's fucking the rock (laughs) <laughs> which don't get me wrong I, I fucking love the rock but but he's no eddie albert but and, and but it's one i of can't the believe that came out of my mouth the rock is no eddie albert seriously <laughs> although i cannot wait until the rock becomes more aged and we get a crotchety the rock because that could be crotchety rock he's gonna become like a more charming clint eastwood you know this that's what he's oh, going to turn into. And I will be on board with that because Clint oh, yeah. Eastwood has turned a little crazy in his old age. Oh, yeah. But but a, a crotchety rock, 
Mm-hmm. Would be kind of joyful thing. <laughs> Can we just have that be a title of the movie? Crotchety Rock. <laughs> okay. If, if we could market an that shit, you know we could. If we could. If no, we could no, have okay, okay. So we get okay, so we, we give it another twenty years, we direct like grumpy old men with the rock and Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> and like Jason Statham living across the street and they're all grumpy at each other. Uh uh-huh uh-huh you know this this is where the money's at this is this is our retirement at nest egg wendy we need to write this shit you need to get on this now i know right get them on board with it now so right at the point we're ready to retire suddenly we're wealthy Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm yes yes Okay, if you're listening to this, dear listeners, that's our fucking idea and you leave it alone. Unless you want to help us. Yeah, if you want to help us, we'll give you a cut. That's different. Yeah, yeah, totally. If you know how to do color grading, call us. And I was trying to move on to my neighbor Totoro. Oh, it's so cute. My neighbor Totoro is about moving to a new house, which is haunted, except it's family friendly and adorable. Yeah, when your haunting is Totoro, that's that's not like Bagul. That's not like Bagul at all. (laughs) Which is why you should, if you ever find yourself in a haunted house, granted, 90% of movies show you that you should run. So you should, you should definitely run but you should also kind of be like 10 percent prepared maybe it's a totoro you know if if my house is haunted with totoro i'd be totally fine with uh, totoro haunting i would love the hell out of that you say that now (laughs) fast are you saying that we should be haunted by totoro if if a giant anime cartoon animal thing is just sort of standing around you and not saying anything big giant eyes and holding leaves over your head i already live with you sweetie i don't do all that he's holding a leaf over your head he's clearly benign if you've never seen this movie dear listeners and it's possible you haven't because um it is more uh definitely more of a kid's movie and yet if even if it, even if you're like, oh, I don't really watch kids' movies, that's not my bag. This is a Miyazaki, and it is super charming and beautiful mm-hmm. animation. And it's also really interesting to watch a Miyazaki animated movie that is aimed at kids and see how different it is from Disney. Oh, yeah. Because there is no real conflict that happens. It is very just exploratory hey we moved into a new house there are things that are happening we're going to explore this might be cool the biggest conflict is that their mother is sick and in the hospital and may wants to visit her and gets lost that's Mm -hmm. it i i will admit i've always been kind of lukewarm on miyazaki and that is my problem (laughs) that is not miyazaki's problem it's like these are very well-crafted movies. If I had happened upon them when I was a 10-year-old girl, they would be the foundation of my life. And I mean, I think I think partly because I didn't start watching them until my decrepit and jaded adulthood. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they, for some reason, they're like 10 degrees off of my sweet zone. 
Like I yeah. said, they're perfectly amazing movies for whatever reason. They don't hit me, but Totoro is adorable. It's My so... neighbor Totoro is just absolutely adorable. It helps that I do have a small child. So when I'm watching them, I get to see her watch them. And oh, yeah. all, I mean, all of Miyazaki's films, not all, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of them. So between... My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Servants, and even Spirited Away. Spirited Away, most especially, is deliberately about moving. Oh, yeah, they are it's fantastic. They're in the process of moving to a new house when the entire adventure of Spirited Away happens. And Kiki's Delivery Service is about a young girl moving to a different city as part of her witch training. Mm-hmm. So all of, all of them are about, because it's a classic trope of storytelling that the best way to define a character and to establish the character's need to grow is to put them in a new situation. Mm -hmm. So does Howl's moving castle count as a moving movie since the castle moves? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know that I have an answer. Hmm. Mm. Because the main character moves into the castle, right? Yeah, yeah. So and then the castle of... moves, so it's like double moving movie. Yeah, she's entering a new. Yeah, I, mm. I think it would. Mm. I think it would. Good job, Melissa. Nicely mm. done. So, what is the next movie, Wendy? Okay, this is the penultimate movie. The penultimate movie. Annie. Oh wow! <laughs> she moves in with Daddy Warbucks. Of course. Aww. Aww. So From the funny. orphanage to Danny Warbucks, the 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 change, the disparity in what she formerly yeah. knew. Well, then she brings her plucky, can-do attitude and changes his world. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right, because that's the point: is when you move, you should be changing your world and the world of those around you, as Ren McCormick did in the classic Footloose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You need to be changing the world for the better, introducing something they didn't know they had, introducing joy they didn't know they were missing. And that's why I moved to Austin, so I can bring them... Wait. (laughs) So you can increase the chaos they currently experience? (laughs) Yes. I'm just here to make things weirder. Hail Discordia. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So yeah, Annie... Annie, you've mm. got little orphan Annie who moves in with Daddy Warbucks and in the process turns his entire world upside down and finds a new life. So yay for Annie. That is another moving movie in so many ways. But the last movie I want to talk about okay, okay. is a recent movie oh. about a family uh-huh. moving from Minnesota to a new town. Uh-huh. <laughs> Inside Out. I still haven't seen it. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh my God. So how is Inside Out? Uh, It's not as great as the great Pixar films, but it's still fucking solid. And even though it's not great, it will fucking make you cry. Even a watered down Pixar is still something that is really well put together. And by God, by the end of that movie, <laughs> Teddy, me, and my mom were all sitting in the theater and all of us were crying and hugging. <laughs> Why did we have to move from Minnesota? I liked it there. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't handle this movie. <laughs> okay, look, 
it may not be the best Pixar film, but even the worst Pixar film, they're so good at what they do that even the worst Pixar film has something great about it. And what this film does is it introduces the idea that being sad is not just okay, it's necessary. Nice. That being sad is that... just being happy is something only a child can do. And that in a, when you start to move into a, a broader understanding of the world, that means that some part of you acknowledges you will have to be sad. And so the, the core, one of the core visuals of the film is these little like marbles that happen as emotional beats happen for their person. Mm-hmm. And so if it's joy, they're, they're yellow and bright and happy. And if they're, if it's sad, then it's blue. And if it's fearful, it's like, uh, I forget what color, if it's anger, it's red. And if it's disgust, it's green. So all of these things, but as the kid is 12, right. Mm -hmm. By the end of the movie, then the marbles start becoming multicolored because nothing is purely joyful anymore. And that's the, that's the truth of. Being an adult is even the happiest things are things that are also maybe a little bit sad mm-hmm. or a little bit frightening. I moved to Texas and for the most part, yeah, I'm I'm embracing that this is a new adventure, but I fucking miss knowing where everything is. <laughs> <laughs> and I miss that Tim Wick isn't going to just email me and go, hey, why don't you show up on Saturday night? We're going to do a thing. Yeah, I'll be there. No no biggie. I'll be there. I'll be there because I'm there. Of course I'm there. Of course I'm involved. Of course everything that I have a plethora of friends and things that I could do. I'm, I, I embrace on the one hand trying something different, but I still am sad for the things that I'm giving up in the process. And that's what's brilliant about Inside Out. Whether or not it's a great movie, it is a movie that shows kids it's okay to feel ambivalent. Mm-hmm. And we don't get a lot of that in our society. Even as adults, I think it's a great message for adults. <laughs> it's okay to not know how you feel, to be a little <laughs> like, well, I'm kind of happy, but maybe I'm confused about it. And uh, I don't, uh, or, who knows? Or just, eh? I'm going to try this and see what happens. It could go well. It could, it could be awful. We're going to find out. So yeah, those are movies about moving. Excellent. Uh, Thank you. And as we have seen through talking about them, Hollywood loves to equate moving with moving yourself, not just your belongings. And that's why we moved. Melissa, I have been drinking steadily and I am well, well lubricated. And yet this bottle is only half empty. Why aren't you here with me? I will be soon, Wendy. Give me like two weeks, okay? (laughs) Okay, okay. Look at this Killapish bottle. This Killapish bottle. Good God. (laughs) All right, listeners. Uh, So I asked that if you were listening to the Underdog Sports episode, which you should, it's a recent episode and it was super fun. And I said, if you had any recommendations or comments that you should please let us know. And apparently some of you did. Melissa, oh, what do we got? Yes, absolutely. So first of all, we have Grey Duck commenting that, uh, first of all, ooh, time travel back to the World's Fair. I'm on board with this journey, as we all should be. So that's great. Oh, yeah. That's talking about the Devil in the White City mm-hmm. and Which- the book about the Chicago 
Colombian Exposition, which I mentioned in my uh, Pleasure Dome recommendations that week. That's right. That's right. Uh, But uh, Grey Duck continues, throwing out another underdog sports type thing that is moderately decent little movie. Cool Runnings. Sure, it doesn't have much to do with what really happened, but when has that ever stopped us from enjoying a fun little flick? Yes, good job, Grey Duck. Yes, it's very true. Very true. Bravo. Uh, we also have uh, Pedantic Eric, uh, our friend Eric Knight, who was another one of our former guests. Listening to this really made me want to rewatch The Bad News Bears, and my IMDb research yielded an interesting tidbit. The writer of that film also did the screenplay for John Carpenter's The Thing. Holy crap. Holy crap, really? Bad News Bears, The Thing. (laughs) Thank you, Eric. That's pretty fantastic. (laughs) And then we have Jay Garth Wilcox, our friend Jay Garth. Jay Garth, I love that guy. I know, right? So uh, he also commented, what, no love for men with brooms? Which is apparently about curling. I would assume so, but I have not heard that one. I know, right? We're going to have to look that one up. Oh, okay. That sounds cool. Jay Garth, good job, you. And to round it out, I'm actually going back another episode to um, one of our Stephen King episodes. Uh, This is back to Grey Duck again. He agrees that Richard Dawson is one of the best bits of stunt casting of all time. Who loves you and who do you Mm. love? Uh And uh, he had an additional Pleasure Dome recommendation with this post. Since we are talking about authors who have a couple of amazing books out with a third on the way, if you haven't read Ancillary Justice and Ancillary Mercy by Anne Lecky, I recommend doing so. It's a challenging, witty, thoughtful interesting marvelously written far future sci-fi series about love loss revenge redemption humanity artificial intelligence and the problems that arise when an empire of thousands of years is run by a mob of mind-linked clones well that's a fuck ton of adjectives i know right (laughs) that was that was kind of a, a challenge to read right now I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi, Carol. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Wendy, what? Yeah. What is your Pleasure Dome recommendation of this week? I give to you, listeners, Mm -hmm. breakingcatnews.com. Breaking? This is something I learned. Breakingcatnews.com. Oh, God. It is a webcomic. Okay. It is something I literally discovered just today. (laughs) Today's comic is really fantastic. If you have a cat, if you've ever lived with a cat, if you even hate cats, you will probably enjoy this webcomic. Webcomic. (laughs) Webcomic. For example, today's comic was, so it starts with a cat in a newscaster's outfit in like in the studio at the desk he's like in breaking news today we have a hairball (laughs) (laughs) and then we go to the reporter on the scene who's also a cat yes we're not sure how to feel about it there's been a lot of backlash (laughs) 
And it seriously, you know what? Just go look at it. If you like the first one, you'll click through and keep going and enjoy it. If you don't like the first one, you'll be like, this isn't for me. That's fine. Breakingcatnews.com. I think it's super delightful. Okay, then. (laughs) Melissa, Melissa, what is your recommendation for this week? Okay, so... I went on a movie watching binge because I've been doing nothing but packing to move for weeks because I have a lot of crap to pack. And um, there was just one night when I went, fuck it, I'm going to watch a lot of movies. And so I sat on Netflix and watched like four movies in a row and stayed up till five in the morning. And I regret nothing. But uh, good job. You I know, right? I like that about you. <sighs> Bravo. So good. It was so good. So. You know, among other things, I, I watched John Dies at the End, which was okay, and Mommy Dearest, which is kind of delightful in its own trashy, wonderful way. <laughs> Especially, you know, I was I was watching you on Facebook and I'm, and how it should turn into the modern <laughs> Rocky Horror. I would love that. Oh yeah, no, t- seriously, <laughs> Mommy Dearest should be the alternate universe Rocky Horror. People should be. Showing up at theaters 20 years later at midnight with cream on their face and their hair up in little updos, screaming at children, throwing wire hangers. Yeah, totally. But what I was going to recommend, because the other things I watched that night were documentaries, uh, specifically rock band documentaries, because I watched Rush Beyond the Lighted Stage and Don't Stop Believin'. Every Man's Journey. Both are very good, but I want to especially recommend Don't Stop Believin' Every Man's Journey because this is a movie about the band Journey, you know. Obviously. And the lights go down in the city. You know, that that's a different that song from Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's City that's lights. lights. But anyway, I'm a Journey fan. But anyway, that band they lost their lead singer many years ago. Um, he decided to not be part of the band anymore. The the iconic Steve Perry is no longer part of Journey. And then they had like an interim singer who lasted a little while and then his voice got diseased and he had to leave too. And so literally the band leader went on the internet and said, who are we going to get to replace Steve Perry, who is one of the more iconic voices in rock? And he stumbled across a YouTube video of a guy in Manila, the Philippines, who was basically a karaoke band uh, singer who specialized in journey songs. And literally this guy opens his mouth and Steve Perry's voice comes out. His name is Arnel Pineda, and he spent a lot of time being homeless in Manila. And so suddenly he gets an email that, no, really, Journey would like to have you audition to be the lead singer of Journey. And so he winds up traveling to America and getting the gig. And the the documentary is about taking this guy who has who's been poor in the Philippines for most of his life suddenly being a rock star headlining journey playing for arenas full of people <laughs> they made a movie they made a movie out of this starring mark Wahlberg. oh yes 
Yeah, that's kind of true, too. <laughs> everything everything is a movie starring Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but, that's fantastic. But the additional angle with Arnel Pineda is he's 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 this this guy from the Philippines, and so part of the movie is showing the resurgence of audience for journey for more and more people showing up now that Arnel Pineda is the front runner, because first of all, everybody loves an underdog story. But second of all, all the Filipinos in the United States are going, Holy shit. There's a Filipino heading journey. So it's not just white dude rock anymore. <laughs> I know. And it's so great. I know, right. Representation matters. It's true. It's true. I mean, if I'd known, I could have fronted journey. I do a great Steve Perry. Oh, you totally do. But Arnel Pineda and is like literally Steve Perry's voice comes out of his throat. It's uncanny. Like really that's fantastic. Good bizarre. For him. <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay, I and that's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's called Every Man's Journey. And uh it's And the Rush it's good. And the Rush okay, one so the Rush one, it's just a uh, documentary about Rush, you know, from from start to finish to to the latest tour. It's about Rush. It's called Beyond the Lighted Stage, which is also very okay, good if you're into Rush. Which I, I am a little. Oh, yeah. A little. Everybody really should be because Rush is a very smart band. And it's a yeah. they're um, a tremendous three-piece band with a huge sound. And um, they they have a knack for making very complex music listenable uh, for a mass yeah. audience. They they can do they can do crazy ass time signatures and nobody cares. It's great. It's great. I think Getty Lee has one of the unsung voices in modern rock. Rush has the best drummer. Rush has the best drummer in modern rock. I they may just be then maybe they're just the best musicians because I just I find like I really love listening to Getty Lee sing. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Listeners, if you have hung in there for our first bilocational episode, <laughs> Texas to Minnesota, what? <laughs> then we have been talking about a slew, a veter veritable, a vet, vet, vegetable, vegetable, vet, a vegetable, a veritable plethora. Okay. I can't get veritable out, but I can say plethora with no problem. We drank. Fair point. A plethora of movies where the protagonist or something central to the plot, there's moving involved because I just moved to Texas. <laughs> and I will be moving am, in like three days. It's true. It's true. Now, Melissa's only moving a mile and I moved across the country, but I moved to the land of milk and honey where they will sell you alcohol in a Target and there are food trucks everywhere and you can get breakfast tacos any time of the day or night. I have the That's new universe. Great. Oh, God, you do. Okay, yeah, yeah fair point. I'm you moving do. closer to Video Universe. So, listeners, yeah. way, way back when I said we were talking about a topic, and that topic was movies about moving. And we are finally going to wrap this up. So, I have been Wendy, and my partner all the way across the continent, all the way across the country is... Melissa. Oh, leaning into the mic and giving us the voice. Uh -huh. That's Melissa. Mm. And this is proof that Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome will continue. And we hope that you will listen again next week. And we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com. Follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Seriously, want some of this? I don't know what it is. Oh, oh, you you do not want that. Give me a, a little. Okay, I'll give taste. you. I'll give you a taste. I'll give you a taste. I always up for a taste. That's true. Oh, do you see my face, Fess? No, I love it. He's sniffing it. That should don't yes. drink it. Don't, don't. Well, it's no. very herby. Herby. <clears throat> it's like drinking herby. a Ricola. What is that? <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's killer pitch. Okay. Well, what type of liquor is it? Well, it it is a Nothing liquor that, that is rarely found outside of Dusseldorf. We found it. I found it at the municipal liquor store over there. Uh, the true herbal liquor specialty made from more than ninety fruits, berries, and herbs. Ninety. Ninety. Was that what just whatever was left at the end of uh, harvest? They went into the forest and they uprooted yes. anything that looked weird. 